Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Go in Peace here this morning, Tuesday, March 2nd, a daily podcast from the Houghton College Chapel Office, where each day we take a look at one of our college lectionary texts and we ponder provocative thoughts so that we can truly go in peace to love and serve the Lord. So glad to have you with us this week as we are thinking together about the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, again, as with each day, we have a Psalm, Old Testament reading, and then the New Testament reading. Uh, This week, the New Testament reading will be the basis of my daily thoughts, but would encourage you to also read the Old Testament reading and the Psalm as well. So today's readings for Tuesday, March 2nd, are Psalm 27 and 2 Samuel 22, 26 to 34. And then from the New Testament, uh, as always, as throughout this week, we're in the Sermon on the Mount, and we are looking at Matthew 5. Picking up where we did yesterday, verse 13 through verse 16. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So this is a pretty familiar text, I know, and uh, the salt and the light, what it means to be the salt of the earth, what it means to be the light of the world. You know, the salt metaphor is a really interesting one here because it's it's really uh, unclear what exactly it means for salt to lose its saltiness. And the NRSV translation here said, you know, salt has lost its taste, um, which is kind of designed to sort of make us understand that, that, that what's most important in being salt is the way that it tastes like salt. But of course, salt had other um, purposes rather than just seasoning in, in those days. It could also uh, be preserving and that kind of thing. Um, but, but it's interesting, like, what could make salt lose its saltiness? And as I pondered it, I realized I don't think I've ever actually had salt that doesn't taste like salt anymore. And um, we have some pretty old salt at our house. Like, um, you know, we have an apartment um, in our house where various uh, generations of college students have lived. And, you know, there are some spices that kind of go bad. But, you know, we have lots of salt shakers from up there that have salt that's probably 15 years old. And... It still tastes like salt. Like <laughs> I don't, I don't know what salt could actually do to lose its saltiness, right? Salt does ordinarily doesn't do that. Uh, some people think, well, maybe what Jesus meant was, you know, salt, do, salt, salt does do that if it's impure, right? Like if salt is mixed in with other stuff, um, then the, you know, the impurities, um, you know, kind of take over, and then it doesn't taste like salt anymore. And I guess that's possible. Like it seems a little arcane to me. It could be what Jesus meant. Maybe one day he'll tell me in heaven what, what he meant. But ordinarily, salt is pretty stable. Like, there's not a lot, you know, it's not a, it's not the kind of thing like green bananas or something that, that rot, you know, and salt, salt. Um, the light of the world is, is actually like this, too. Like, if you're trying to think of what holds these two metaphors together, maybe it's something like that. I mean, the, the light of the world, a city on a hill, right, like, these things can't be hidden, like they, they just are, right? Um, you know, the, the language in verse 16 of let your light shine before others. 
is a really good way of kind of highlighting this. Like, it's not terribly active language. It's, it's not saying, now be sure you burn really, really, really bright for other people. It's like, no, just let your light shine. Like, this thing that you're naturally doing, just do it. Um, and, and again, that, that holds the light and salt metaphors together a little bit because, you know, what, what's being said of the light is just do it. Just be what you are. And by just being what you are, you're going to do the work. Like, I mean, you don't take a lamp and put it on the ground. No, you put a lamp on the table and the lamp just does what it does. You don't need to tell it, be a lamp. Now be sure you're really a good lamp. I mean, just, you know, just be you. And in the same way, right? Like, I think, I think that might be, that might unpack some of the salt meaning, right? Like, I think sometimes we read this te this text and think, how can I not lose my taste? How can I not lose my saltiness? How can I keep being good salt? And I think Jesus might look at us and say, you know, not quite. I mean, don't worry so much about that. Just be what you're called to be, right? Be salt, be light. You know, I think sometimes we, we really take, particularly the Sermon on the Mount, because it's so ethical, um, you know, so focused on our ethics, so focused on what we're doing, and we read this text in the same way, and we're like, okay, Jesus is telling us, like, hold on, be true, you know? But maybe the point of it is just to say, you know, God has actually made you into something that requires not as much willpower as you're acting like it requires. Like, I don't know, when I was a college student, and maybe this, I think, is still true in some Christian, I think, right, there's still sometimes today this is true for me, and I think our churches share this pretty widely, like, that primarily what you need to be a Christian is willpower, like, what you need to do as a Christian is to just, like, you know, you're going to a world that just doesn't get you, and so you just need to, like, hang on, and you need to, like, make counterintuitive choice after counterintuitive choice and after counterintuitive choice, and that God is, like, really honored by the fact that you're doing this thing that's, like, really hard to do, you know, and, and a lot, like I say, a lot of college students, when they come to talk to me about what's going on in their lives, they kind of reflect that, right? Like, I've got, you know, you, a young guy comes in the office, like, you know, like, I'm really struggling with pornography, and, you know, and, and the thought is, you know, like, deep down, I really, I want to look at pornography. And I, I never think about why I want to look at pornography. I never think about the question, why does pornography seem like a logical choice to me? All I know is that to be a good Christian, I keep saying no to this thing that I want to say yes to, right? Instead of asking the question, like, how did I why, what in pornography seems logical to me? Like what, why, and, and why does it seem logical? Like where did that idea come from, right? So like often we just locate the essence of the Christian life in willpower. It's, but I think the salt and the light thing is not about willpower at all, right? Saying just be you, be the person God has made you to be. Now that does not mean, of course, be whatever you think you are, right? It does not mean you know, whatever you think that you are, whatever you want to do, take that as evidence that you should do it. No. But it does mean the Christian life doesn't, is not just the sum total of making counterintuitive choices constantly in order to follow God. But instead, it is to grow in your understanding of who you are. Right? What Jesus is saying here is actually a really clear sense of identity. You are the salt of the earth. That's who you are whether you know it or not, like it or not. And the fact is, they probably didn't know it or else Jesus wouldn't bother saying it, right? But he's encouraging them to rethink who they are and then live naturally out of that identity. So, you know, part of that task about growing to understand who we are, right? Part of that's intellectual. Like that's, you know, if I didn't believe in the intellectual part of that, I would not waste my life working at a Christian college, right? Like that intellectual, like the more I know 
the deeper I go in, in my biblical and theological understanding, the more I understand who I am. But there's also a really experiential part of this too. Like the more that I know that I'm God's beloved child, the more I'm ready to act like God's beloved child in the world. How do you know you're your parents' beloved child? Like if you are in that privileged place where you have a good relationship with your parents and they love you, how do you know that? It's probably not because they wrote you a dissertation explaining what the word love means to them and how they use it with you. No, it's because you experience their love again and again and again and again until experiencing their love seemed like the most natural thing in the world. You began to intuit the world as a place that was safe and where love surrounded you, right? Or you know the other side of that, right? Like maybe you weren't in that kind of relationship with your parents or you aren't in that kind of relationship with your parents. And so no matter what people do to sort of reassure you, you know, you're deeply loved. It's hard to feel it because you just didn't experience it in the same way. And so Jesus, I think here, is teaching us about who we are and saying, live out of that. Just live out of that. You're the salt of the earth. Be salt. You're the light of the world. Be light. Understand who you are and, and act like it. God, we know that's a complicated reality, that there are all kinds of things that keep us from understanding who we really are. We pray that gradually you'd clear the weeds in our hearts that keep us from understanding that, that you'd help us to clear the space uh, within us to hear your voice still and quiet, telling us who we are and enabling us to live out of that in the way that we deal with each other and the world around us. We ask this through Christ. Amen. Well, as always, a privilege to talk to you. We'll look forward to doing it again tomorrow. Until then, go in peace to love and serve the Lord.